This past Tuesday we had, was the funeral mass at our Cathedral of St. John the Evangelist for Bishop Emeritus of our Diocese, Richard Lennon. And there was a good number of bishops there from both the East and the West, and a lot of priests, and there were a lot of seminarians, deacons, and deacon candidates and their wives, religious, and the bishop's family and friends, and quite a bit of the lay faithful. There were so many priests that the seating for them extended three quarters of the way down one section of the cathedral. And the cathedral is much bigger than ours, so maybe it would be like this section here all the way back to our doors. It's quite a lot of priests. And I was sitting way at the end, and it just turned out that I got to sit between Father Pfeiffer and Father Covacina. So we couldn't see much. So it was great that at the end of the Mass, in the program, it said that as long as you turned the sound off all the way, those in attendance were invited to watch the interment of the bishop, which was being live streamed on iPhones. The internet would take, I mean, the interment would take place in the crypt, which was off to the side of the church, uh, down in a side way and it was uh, off the north transept of the cathedral. So most people weren't going to be able to watch it. So Father Covacina gets his phone out and he brings up the live feed on it and we were watching part of it and then it froze up because so many people were trying to watch it. Uh, it just wasn't coming through. Fortunately, eight hefty seminarians hoisted the coffin up on their shoulders and they took the coffin out through the cathedral to while a bagpipe played Amazing Grace. And we could at least see the processional cross going through the church and the, uh, and the coffin with our former bishop in it going over to the crypt. But for the rest of it, we were pretty much in the dark. And once they were over there, it seemed to take forever for them to do anything. So this past Wednesday night, I was at an event at which some of our parishioners were being honored, and Bishop Greece was there also. And we had some time together, so I asked him, so what was going on in the crypt? Why did it take so long? And as he always seems to do, he gives me the official answer first. Well, first the body had to be placed in the niche, and the seminarians had to get out of the way, then all the bishops had to get in there, and then of course the bishop's family had to come in, so there was all this arranging. So that was the official answer, and he goes, plus nobody knew what page we were supposed to be on, and we were flipping back and forth. Here's the thing that really struck me about his funeral, however. It's true that the music might have been way above average and there was a lot more servers and bishops and blah, blah, blah. But the prayers offered up for him were identical to the prayers of any funeral mass for, for a Catholic who dies. And he was not referred to throughout in the prayers as Bishop Lenin but simply as Richard, his baptismal name. It lets you know what's important for heaven. Honorific titles and the like mean nothing for heaven. The bishop was baptized as Richard, and he went into heaven as Richard. Now, how he conducted his life here as bishop, and I will admit there is a priestly character on a soul, just there is at baptism and confirmation, but it was how he led that life here that aided him getting into heaven. But he got in as Richard. 
And it's a good thing to know what's important in order to get into heaven. The Sadducees are trying to trip Jesus up, wasting time and thought on technical questions that do not get into, does not get a person into heaven or mean anything to heaven. Marriage laws are for this life, not the next. And what you did in this life as Mr. and Mrs. will have an effect on how wide the pearly gates open for you or not. But these titles and commitments are not a thing of heaven. For these reasons, a person cannot be too careful about how they identify themselves. What is most essential about you? What makes you who you are? As much as I hate political correctness in most instances, one good thing of the movement was that it recognized a person as a person before I'd identified a person with something about them. For example, there was a reminder that handicapped people are not to be identified with their handicap, but that they are a person first and then have this challenge. And so we were encouraged to say people with physical challenges. They are people first, and then something about them comes after. The challenge in the combined first reading today with the gospel today challenges us to discern who we are and the essence of who we are. What is worth living for and what is worth dying for? What is worth fighting for and what can be let go? What is good, really per good, perhaps for this life? And what is imperative for the next? Identity politics, race, political parties, anything that demarcates us as us versus them is likely not something essential to your existence and has little bearing on eternity other than how we live them. None of these things are typically worth shedding blood over. Titles, wealth, power, talent, mental abilities, and even a level of good looks need not be lived well here, uh, need to be lived well here in order to obtain the promises of heaven, but they are not essential to who you are in and of themselves. They do not make in and of themselves one fit for heaven or not, and none of them by themselves are worthy of martyrdom. That all of these th things are how far too many of our fellow citizens identify too closely with themselves is, is the exact reason why it's so difficult to rid our nation of the culture of death. If we can say that a human person is one who must first look like or act or think or possess as a primary ingredient for what it is to be a person, and to be afforded basic human dignity, such as life, then it is far too easy to identify individuals and their personhood with these things. It's a step toward a culture towards death. If people are persons because of their functions and their benefit to others, then the number of individuals who can be marginalized, ill-treated, or even killed will continue to grow greater in number. But thanks be to God, he has revealed to us our true nature and what gives us status as persons. We are persons by nature, and by nature a right bearer and a bearer of human dignity, because I am, not because of what I can do.
We are persons because we were first made in the image and likeness of God. From the first moment of our conception, we have been given human dignity. We are persons because I am his son or daughter. That's something we're dying for. The seven brothers and their mother in the first reading are willing to be tortured and killed because they knew that it was essential to their human dignity and personhood and to get into heaven to identify with these things, with God and his laws. If a society is willing to give up its basic human dignity, rights, and personhood, it will fall under its own verdict. The reason we still talk about these eight people thousands of years after this incident happened, why this story is so important to us, why there is something to it that is so true that it speaks to every generation, even if we can't exactly put our finger on it, is because there is something within it that proclaims, be careful what, you, what about yourself you are willing to sacrifice for the expedient good because of the future, the good of the future may also be sacrificed. Be careful what about yourself you are willing to sacrifice for the expedient good, because of the good of the future may also be sacrificed. There is a core value that should never be sacrificed under any circumstances, because it can boomerang. And when that happens, we invite hell on earth. Tomorrow, we will be celebrating Veterans Day when we will thank all those who went to war to protect our country. And if one studies what was being rooted out through war, it is always stomping out the fires where people got it into their heads that their personhood somehow trumped other person's personhood and allowed them to treat others as less than or as nothing. And it was so out of control that like the brothers in the first reading, our fellow citizens risked or laid down their lives to correct this notion and to protect basic human dignity. We are grateful to our veterans whom we honor tomorrow and for all who risk everything from life to ridicule every day in the protection of the dignity that God gives every human person who by their being are made in his image and likeness.